0: All right, welcome to Seattle on Tap. I am Courtney Jacobson. And I am Ashley Toten. We are here drinking beer as usual. For you. For
1: you. Yeah. Celebrating. Yes.
0: Celebrating. It's episode 25. Look at us being consistent. Shoulder dance (laughs) (laughs) um we are drinking beer like normal but we're gonna do stories in a different way today um if you have been listening or paying attention to us on um instagram um we did a little contest, and we let two of our listeners pick stories for us to tell this time. So it was pretty fun having somebody else give me a story idea.
1: Me too. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have to, you know,
0: have to do all the research. I mean, yeah, in the re- it was really fun to research this because... Normally, I spend a chunk of time researching just what to research. So it's fun to just have all the time to
1: look into this. We also part of the fun of this, which by May we'll probably be doing this. We're, right now we're going probably quarter like every twenty five episodes or so. We'll do at do another contest. So pay attention. But mm-hmm. um, we decided to let folks pick what we who was going to tell what we decided to leave it to chance. Yes. And we did a little show that we will be posting. So you probably have seen it already. Yes. Uh, of us doing an bird challenge to determine who has what. It was, so uh, <laughs> it was pretty fun. We didn't get to pick. There was no choosies. And specifically this time around, it was important because um, I love you all, but I'm disappointed in you. Only two people actually participated one was bad. So leaving it to chance was uh, I think pretty important. I didn't want everybody to be like
2: she did
1: her partner's yeah. thing. Uh, you know. Yeah. But it worked out. Right, It did. But I'm hoping next time we'll have mm-hmm. our folks like, like it doesn't have to be true crime. It doesn't have to be like straight up history. It can be some weird story. It can be
2: Mm-hmm. Like
1: more science fiction kind of conspiracy shit. Like it can be kind of anything. It's yeah. seriously dealer choice.
0: You know, you all know I love to put on a tinfoil hat and tell a crazy story, so <laughs> it doesn't just have to be history or beer related. Speaking of beer, I see you just take yeah. a sip of something. What? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs>
1: um today i decided we you and i were talking the other day and i'm like i don't know how i never drink any of their beer you know like mm-hmm. i'm so familiar with their beer or yeah. vocals i know one person that works for them lisa is a listener and one of our first patreon people
2: mm-hmm. and
1: how oh, yeah. the hell do i never drink beer from georgetown So, I decided to go with a classic. Mm -hmm. I'm drinking the Georgetown Lucille IPA. uh, Nice. For those that are not from Seattle, (laughs) Georgetown is a neighborhood in South Seattle. Mm -hmm. Um, Lucille is Seattle classic beer. Like, it is like a classic, classic IPA. Um, Classic um, Northwest IPA. Uh, it is both floral and citrusy and brewed with propale and caramel malt, as well as uh Lucille ABV is 7%, which is pretty high, but it's worth every drop of ABV. <laughs> um, as Georgetown says on their website, quote, anything so innocent and built like that just got to be named Lucille. Also a fun fact, Lucille is one of the main streets that runs through Georgetown's neighborhood, so it's kind of all around a fun little... Yeah.
0: I do love how they pay homage to their surrounding area with the names like Lucille and all of
1: that. Yeah. They may be up here if you come. and Get your hands on from them you're not going to be disappointed like they don't make a bad beer; they just don't
0: (laughs) and I'm just gonna apologize right now because we are having a few connectivity issues today I don't know if it's just the luck of the draw today I don't know but please bear with us because there's a few times that we may cut in and out and we're sorry we're doing our best (laughs) That's true. Um, So today I am drinking a beer. It's it's a beer I've had in my fridge for a little while, and I've been like, okay, I really want to drink this on an episode, but it's hard to kind of pair it with anything because it kind of goes better with the story you did towards the very beginning. Anyway, so today I'm drinking Chupacabra. from 903 Brewers. They are in Texas. Um, this is... Shoot, let me grab my, uh, my handy-dandy notes over here. <laughs> do, do, do. Okay. This is an oak-aged cinnamon chocolate marshmallow coconut stout. So, essentially, it has all of my favorite dessert components all rolled into one beer um 903 brewers they're in sherman texas it is a barrel aged stout which is why it is 13 percent um it smells pretty boozy but it is surprisingly very very smooth um Gonna have to set this a little further away from me since you go first today, because I don't want to get all <laughs> <laughs> all drunky pants. Through your yeah, <laughs> I have a hard enough time speaking words. <laughs> hmm mm-hmm. It's super dark. Oh my gosh! It's so smooth though. I can't even believe how they fit all of those things. Into this, the cinnamon I don't taste as much, but I smell it, and it's very pleasant.
1: Mm, that's kind of good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool.
0: Since pumpkin spice, well, I have to give latte season people. just started, so I'm getting
1: my my spice in my beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I do love. But not pumpkin spice. I'm not a pumpkin spice person. I like it a little. I am. Um, I like it black, black, like my soul. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but,
0: You know, that's good too. Um. Well, I already know what story you're telling, so I'm excited for you to tell me all about it. It's kind of fun knowing what you're going to be doing.
1: Yes. <laughs> uh, which means I also need to give the big reveal on whose story I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, or who chose it, I should say, not whose story. But um, this was, of the two folks, Sydney Sumi, uh, who is a friend of the podcast uh, and just <laughs> another like amazing local bartender. Um, who actually has a personal connection to the person I'm uh, telling a story about. Um is wild, Yeah. That- uh, I don't, I don't want to give too many details away because I want to, you know, it's none of my business. Right. So, yeah. But anyhow, today's story is of Mary Vincent. Yay. Oh, hold on to your hats. Cause this is not a sweet, delicate buttercup story. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh buddy. So back in the late seventies, Mary Vincent was a pretty typical teenager she grew up in the Las Vegas area, and a lot like a lot of other folks, decided that she needed to move away and start off somewhere fresh to kind of, you know, find her bearings, find her happiness in life. I did it. I'm sure a lot of people have done it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so she decided to follow a boy to Berkeley, um, and she stayed with her boyfriend there for a short time. Uh, things soured as they often do in young persons' relationships. Yeah. Um, and by the way, at the time. She was 15 years old. Ooh, okay. By the way. Tough. Um, so when things did inevitably go sour, she decided the best thing for her to do was to actually, instead of going back down to Las Vegas, where she had previously not been very happy, she would go stay with her grandfather in Corona, California, which is in Southern California. Um, and from Berkeley, by the way, is about a six and a half hour drive. Oh. So okay. nothing to, know, uh, she's not like going across the country or anything crazy. Yeah. So, on September 29th, 1978, Mary and a couple other young hitchhikers were waiting with their thumbs out until a light blue van pulls up. Mm. The man, who was described as looking like a normal, older grandfather type, driving this blue van that they could clearly see to and was clearly very empty, told the kids he only had room for one person. Uh. Most of them immediately were like, uh, fuck that, not doing that. Um... Mary, who was just desperate to get the fuck out of Berkeley, decided, you know what, I'm going to take that ride. All of the other hitchhikers were begging her not to go, insisting that they would all be able to find rides together. It's not safe to go by yourself, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Mary decided to ride and hopped into the van and began traveling excitedly to her new life.
0: Hmm.
1: Upon getting into the van, Mary lit a cigarette, and upon her first drag, it made her sneeze, and the old man, which this alone I would have been like, bye, I'm jumping out. Yeah. <laughs> he ran the van and said, Come here let me see if you're actually sick. And he grabbed her by the back of her neck and started like kind of pulling her towards him. Whoa. She pulled away and she made it, he made it kind of seem like, Oh, I'm just messing with you. This is a joke, you know. Ooh. And after that, she was a little on edge, but soon enough, finally relaxed, deciding, like, maybe I'm taking this out of, you know, too far, and maybe he was actually joking. As we women tend to always do, especially when we're younger. Yes. Question ourselves. Ugh. Yeah. After some length of time, Mary started to get a little sleepy and nodded off. When Mary woke up a short time later and looked around, she realized that they were not going in the right direction at all. Hmm. Hmm. He became extremely upset and then reached down and began brandishing a pointed surveyor stick that she found on the floor of the van and was telling him to turn the fuck around. Like, you need to turn the van around. We're not going the right way.
2: Mm -hmm. Much
1: to her surprise, without any real reaction and very calmly, he turned around without any protest and said, oh, I missed the turn. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm just an honest man who made an honest mistake. I'm not going to hurt you. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Once started looking more normal on the road, Mary began to relax again. But that drive again is not that long of a drive, and not long into their journey, the man decided he needed to stop and use the restroom. He also explained, pro- like probably using his age as an excuse, that he didn't think he could actually make it to a gas station. So he pulled off the highway onto a dirt road and followed it a little ways in onto a rural-like country road, basically. That's following the length of a canyon. Mm. He stopped the van, and while waiting for him, she kind of glanced down. And from interviews that she has given, she glanced down and noticed one of her shoes are untied. But something in her gut told her, you know, I should really tie that just in case I have to make a run for it for some reason.
0: Well, because her
1: yeah. intuition. <sighs> yeah, and we had one weird ass encounter at this point. Yeah. So seconds after she reaches down and ties her shoe, she gets hit over the head and is knocked unconscious. Oh, shit. And to be very clear, the thing she got hit over the head with, and actually it turns out it was multiple impacts, but she was knocked out pretty much after the first, was he used a sledgehammer to knock her out. So when she woke up, she was tied up in the back of his van. He then proceeded to rape Mary. And again, Mary's 15 years old. Oh, God. Asking him and crying and asking him, why are you doing this to me? And he wouldn't respond at all. He wouldn't say anything to her in response. He ended up raping Mary several times throughout the night. And she, her memory was that it was probably around six times
2: Oh God! that he
1: would go at her again. The next morning, now with the sun coming up, he began dragging her out of the van. So she's still naked and bleeding from the blows to the head she took. And again, she was begging and pleading and saying, just please set me free. Please set me free. Insisting that she wasn't going to tell anybody. And she just wanted to go home. And again, she's 15. Right. All of us at 15 were like, I'm a grown up. But you're a fucking Oh, yeah. I was a total (laughs) asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Same. But... He then gets this look on his face and looks down at her and says, I'll set you free. And down and started rummaging through his toolbox and pulled out a hatchet and with one swing took off her left arm. Mary in shock grabbed his arm with her now only remaining arm, to try to defend herself and started trying to kick and fight back so she's like on the ground and trying to like push him away I'm, I'm demonstrating for you right Nobody yeah can and I'm up. over here just like clutching my face oh my <laughs> god <laughs> um she's trying to hold the arm that has you know that's gonna hurt you know so he can't get a hold of her basically to hurt her again yeah and, and he's kicking and fighting and fighting and after several rough swings with the hatchet he has now removed her right arm also in excruciating pain, in shock, terrified, it took a few minutes for her to realize that her attacker had started like flailing around. Because she's like sleep deprived, she's been raped multiple times, she's got a head wound, like you it, know, lost both and now arms, and blood. Exactly. Ugh. And she still realizes he's like jumping around and swinging his arms, and she can't figure out what he's doing until she looks down at the bottom of his arm and realizes. That her right arm had been clenching onto him and was still holding on and he couldn't get it off so he was like oh. thrashing her arm off him oh and poor guy. he's freaked out <sighs> yeah Ugh, off
0: okay <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> so then she realizes like it's all sinking in for her oh my fucking god mm-hmm. he cut his arms off so she's now bleeding profusely. She's still naked and very like in like really extreme shock. Lies in the dirt screaming for help until she kind of realizes like nobody can hear me and just stops screaming. He then deciding that she's probably dead at this point starts dragging her through the dirt
0: mm-hmm. by her
1: legs and, and proceeds to throw her off of a 30 foot cliff down into the Del Puerto Canyon. So now she's lying at the bottom of the pan and she's scared to move because she's like, I don't know if he's still up there, like, I'm alive, but barely, and I feel like if he knows I'm alive, he's gonna come back right. down here and Yeah, finish the job. And if he comes up, it'll kick her back down or something. So she lays there for a while, slowly bleeding to death. After realizing and having some, you know, moments, which I, I can't even imagine what was going through her mind in that moment, laying at the bottom of the canyon, like in that condition, but yeah. she started to realize that if she didn't try to climb out, she was going to die and she might die either way. But she was also thinking like, if he just did this to me, he's probably done it before and is probably going to do it again. And I, she didn't want to feel, she didn't want to die feeling responsible for not kept getting him caught. And another person getting hurt. Yeah. So Mary starts to get up, and she's like, "I okay, I'm gonna bleed out if I don't do something." And she starts like packing the dirt from the bottom of the canyon into her arm wounds. Oh. And think of it like she's trying to make a mud scab, basically. Like if I yeah. pack enough dirt on, crust over, and then I won't bleed out. Right. Which is I don't even think that of that is like blows my fucking mind. With so severe concussion and i can't among other things (laughs) oh my god i'm like my fucking mind um so mary starts climbing and again you know i'm a curvy gal yeah but i can't imagine using my arms to climb up a steep embankment period the end regardless of how fit i am i can't imagine trying to just use my legs only to get me up the side of the cliff like you know your forehead as leverage or something yeah. i don't even <laughs> but she does uh, and unfortunately by the time she gets to the top it's now dark and she's out in the middle of nowhere naked bleeding and mutilated looking like a full one nightmare <laughs> yes and probably like again has a concussion is probably confused and is like no. not fully with it so and we probably dehydrated. I mean, there's all the things. Um, yeah. So realizing that we could faintly hear a car, she's like, oh my God, the highway, it's oh. not that far. I can probably make it. So she starts wandering through the darkness and there is like no street lights. She's out in the middle of nowhere. So she is like full on in the darkness trying to find her way. Mm-hmm. And she finally finds the highway. She starts walking and it's later determined that she walked about three miles that night in that condition. Oh my God. (laughs) And so as the sun's rising, she still hasn't seen a fucking car. And all of a sudden at sunrise, a sporty red convertible with two men in it pulls up and she starts screaming and trying to get their attention. And they slowed down a little bit, took a look at her and then took the fuck off. They left her out on that road bleeding like that. They fucking just punked out, which I hope that that haunts them forever. <laughs> like how the fuck do you leave somebody like that? So Mary now feeling completely defeated and she's thinking like, nobody's gonna find me, I'm probably gonna die. She keeps walking and her perseverance would pay off because soon after a truck carrying a recently married couple on their honeymoon stops immediately when they see her can you imagine being on your honeymoon and being like oh my god when you like turn down a highway and it's my understanding they actually accidentally took the wrong road so they weren't even supposed to be traveling through there Mm -hmm. they just acted upon her oh now that i hear this part i'm starting to remember the story yeah so they stop they jump out of the car this couple they throw her in their truck they like wrap her up in anything they have in the car They drive her to a phone, which I believe was at a local airport, and Mary is then airlifted to a hospital. Yeah. So Mary's a fucking badass and fucking survived this horrible attack. Not only did she survive, but then six months later, she fucking faced the student court and testified, prosthetic arms and all. Yes. Mary's attacker was 51-year-old Lawrence Singleton. Singleton was a Tampa, Florida native. Um, He was born on July 28th of 1927 and he worked uh, on and off as a merchant seaman. Mm. Single, single, Jesus. Singleton was (laughs) sentenced to the maximum sentence in the state of California at the time, which was 14 years. No. That was the maximum sentence for an offense like this. That's it? And the judge at the time remarked, during the trial or during the sentencing he said if i had the power i would have sent him to prison for the rest of his natural life like and it was not the judge's fault that, that was just yeah, to yeah. In that. mary did tried to ab- kill her brutally yeah. yes and i mean not even just like oh i tried to stab her one time no you fucking raped her kept her captive chopped her arms off threw her off an embankment like so much oh my god torture for hours and hours and then oh oh my gosh okay Mm -hmm. so mary ends up winning a civil judgment suit against him and gets granted is told she's gonna be getting 2.56 million dollars which sounds super great and all except that singleton then revealed he was unemployed not in great health and could not actually work excuse Mm -hmm. my head no no and also i'm like um (laughs) he also only had two hundred dollars to his name apparently and so mary she's like i think in her mind honestly she's like well at least you're in fucking jail even if it's only for 14 years but Mm. as she's leaving the courtrooms the only way out is kind of to pass him he looks at her and says if it's the last thing i do i'm gonna finish the job (gasps) which 15 and I've already gone through this, you're already traumatized. But then hearing that, it's like having, like, it's like living through Nightmare Elm Street and having fucking Freddie Krueger following you around. Like, that's fucking terrifying. Oh my God. So, Singleton went to prison and then, after eight years, no, was released. Good behavior. No. Yes. Oh, no. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know. Go justice. How if, if. is that
0: even? Oh my god. How, <laughs> I, I just, can we not all just agree that there are certain crimes that are especially Wait. heinous that maybe they could just not have a chance to get out? Yeah.
1: Well, something? you'll like what I'm getting to here. So first <laughs> off, his parole would bring him to be sent to live in Co- Costa, Co- wow, can't speak English. Which just Costa would, you know, Contra Costa County. <laughs> <laughs> um, but his presence was not welcomed at all. Yes. He was made to end uh, end up. He had to live on the prison grounds in a trailer at the San oh, Quentin yeah. prison. And then he ha- is, didn't he have to move around a whole bunch and like nobody fucking wanted um, him there? Okay, yeah. So he, he lived there for the duration of his parole.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: previous to this living arrangement, authorities kept helping him try to find a place to live and this, this is like all over northern california several cities mm-hmm. every attempt was met by protests because nobody wanted that fucking monster in their neighborhood and uh that made me so fucking happy that the communities were like no you don't get yeah. to live here we old motherfucker you can die like we don't care yeah i don't care where you are but it's not around us so, his early release was so not only, like, did not just affect the enriched people of Northern California, and obviously it filled Mary with terror, but yeah. lawmakers also now realized that harsher punishma- punishments in this sort of thing needed to exist. So, with the support of Mary Vincent, again, her being a fucking badass, the Singleton Bill was passed, which carries a 25-year-to-life sentence, and other legislation, rather, included that Offenders who have committed a crime in which torture was used would not ever be granted early release from prison. Yes. So, yes, she, this fucking chick, like, I don't mean to use the word chick so flippantly, but, like, Mary continues, you know, like, as, I'm not, I'm, like, halfway through this story, and she just continues to fucking blow my mind through all mm-hmm. of it. How one person can endure all of this shit is just insane to me. Oh, my God. So... After Singleton's year, one year of parole, living on the grounds of the prison, he would pick up and leave. And so this is, again, like, there's no, like, real sex offender registry that's, right. like, being super enforced. Um, he ends up going back to where he came from in Florida. Well. In the year 1990, he was twice convicted of two separate thefts, both of which were, like, a hat, Uh, like really stupid shit and both times he was in jail for them which I'm like what okay (laughs) you just sound like he sounds like a real piece of work
0: like at what point do you just say oops lost in the
1: system you never get out (laughs) yeah it's fucking like just lock his ass up already yeah So all this time Mary is like so this is again this is 1990 all this time he's been out of jail now Mary is like he's gonna come after you she's living in terror all the time and on February 19th of 1997, a neighbor of Singleton's calls the police to report the woman's being assaulted in his home after hearing screaming for help. Oh. So the police arrive and find Singleton covered in blood and then finds the body of 31-year-old Roxanne Hayes, who's been stabbed multiple times, including to her face, chest, and stomach on the floor of his house. God. Roxanne was a known sex offender or sex offender, Jesus, I'm so sorry. Sex worker. Sex worker in the area. She's not a sex offender. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, unless you pay her. <laughs> no way. Um, I personally believe that he likely solicited her with the intent to kill her just based on yeah. his past. Right. Roxanne, by the way, was a mother of three. So oh, man. We kids, that don't have a mom because this guy's a fucking prick. Who, he is the actual sex offender. <laughs> Let's be right. Yeah, not an- She no. was a woman trying to be she was offended. offended.
0: She was sexually offended. Was pretty much offended.
1: Yes. Um, so Mary Vincent hears, catches wind of this, and she flies her ass to Florida and makes an appearance at the sentence thing. Yeah. Again. She takes the stand, and she details for this courtroom in Florida, who, from what I kind of gathered, was that everybody kind of knew he had been like by this point dealt something they didn't know all about it right because it's so far in the past and on a different side of the country and yeah um so she gets up there and recounts her entire story and also how it's impacted her life and this time because state of florida don't fuck around singleton was sentenced to death but again this fucking bag would (sighs) escape having to take any responsibility or punishment for what he'd done. And he died on December 28th of 2001 Mm -hmm. at 74 years of age cancer. The only positive thing I can say is that his passing would probably give Mary Vincent the chance to finally take a fucking breath, knowing that he's not going to come after her. He's not hurting anybody else. But um, the story isn't about him. It's about Mary. And after all of her badass shit through all those years to deal with this. Yeah. Mary had a lot of obstacles, as you would, um, emotional, psychological, physical. And despite all of the trauma and all of the hurdles it caused in her life, badass Mary, as I want to call her now, (laughs) um, would eventually have two sons and get married. And she actually relocated to Washington State. Um, But Mary has been keeping her uh, married name private and doesn't want to necessarily really be found. That's fair. Um, She has volunteered to do a lot of um, interviews when asked, or if somebody does find her, she'll generally talk about it. Um, But she's now trying to leave the horror behind her now and just like live the best life she can. Not, yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm like, girl, you fucking deserve more than that. (laughs) Right. Her story is like, when Sid suggested it, I was like, man, yeah. Yes. We need to talk about Fucking tough women are because exactly and and how much progress she made for other women too because there's probably a lot of uh, offenders including like golden state killer right now yep that if the laws hadn't changed he'd be back on the street yeah
0: so go marry vince because nobody's fucking buying his frail old man bullshit no you can pull your sweatshirt forward as much as you want to make it look like you're tiny and withered but nope not buying it
1: not a thing, yeah. Uh, so that clearly means that you are doing Daniel's story. Yes, it's Daniel little... was the other one that won,
0: and his submission I will tell you after our beer break. Stay tuned. <laughs> and we're back all right Shut up. so as promised the story i am te- going to tell is the story of the jersey devil also known as the Leeds devil mm-hmm. so thank you daniel because this was honestly basically my favorite kind of story to tell because it has folklore but also, there are roots in actual history that have become this weird, I mean, it's just hilarious, weird history. Even part of it involves Benjamin Franklin. So, here we go.
1: <laughs> also, just so everybody knows, Daniel's also from New Jersey. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. He said that he wanted to do this because it's just a crazy story. There's lots of... Resources, but also he had to represent his home state, and I very much appreciate this because it has been so fun. I could have continued researching this for quite some time. Um, <clears throat> all right, so we're going to start off with the legend, the actual folklore story. Um, the story goes that Mother Leeds, in um, and her family, they lived in the New Jersey. Pine Barrens, and one February in 1735, she finds that she is pregante. Pergonant. Pregnard. (laughs) Pregnard? There's... (laughs) Okay, I'm just going to sidebar real quick. There's a really funny little, like, I think, yeah, it's a little video where it shows... All the things that people have Googled, um, like MI Pregante or Pergonant. <laughs> so I can't just say Pregante. <laughs> yes, Pregante.
1: <laughs> and there's okay. some
0: letters like Prego, Pergo. <laughs> with with child Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Mother Leeds finds out. She's pregnant again, not just again, but with her 13th child. Bum bum bum. The number 13. Okay. Um <laughs> her husband, Daniel Leeds, was often out of the house, you know, doing like his job and providing for the family and hunting and things that people did in colonial times. They're and doing fun things. <laughs> Being a politician. Okay. So um, when she realized she was pregnant for the 13th time, she was pretty peeved. She was already sick of cooking for and cleaning up after and constantly being busy and chasing after her 12 children she already had. So the story goes that in a fit of frustration and desperation, she got down on her knees and prayed and said dear god make this one not a child but a devil so as most doom and gloom type folklore goes she goes into labor on a stormy night and because it is colonial times and that's how things were done some of her closest lady friends were there to help her get through the labor um the baby some the
1: best right <laughs>
0: Middle of the night, on a stormy night, and you're having a baby, be right there. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Um, Okay, so now here's where a lot of the folklore kind of gets conflicted. Um, There's many different versions of the birth part and everything, but I'm just going to kind of go with the one I like the most, (laughs) because it's me. All right. Um, That's our (laughs) Because I get to (laughs) do what I want (laughs) So um, The baby is Born as a normal Perfect baby boy But very quickly As he starts to make His very first cries They turn into High pitched ear piercing shrieks As he starts changing Form Into Yeah, um, <laughs> he starts changing form before their very eyes, growing nearly six feet tall, becoming the Leeds Devil. He has bat wi- bat like wings that are six feet in length. He has a tail a f- with a forked end. He has cloven hooves. He has a horse and some people say maybe a goat head with horns and then he has small almost T-Rex arms that have claws and then red glowing eyes (laughs) and he's all black. He continues making these shrieks as he beats everyone in the room with his wings and then slashes a few throats with his tail And then escapes by flying up the chimney. So, uh, I mean, we got a few issues with this, but you know, (laughs) Jesus. Oh my God. One of the legends says that he kills everyone in the room, including the 12 other children. And my thought is, if that's the case, then how does anyone know what happened in the room? Like how did the story get out? Right. So I I like the he just beat people to beat people silly with his
1: his wings and maybe slashed a few throats. Unless like flew into a bar and was like wearing a top coat and a jacket, he's like, I just heard a rumor that that lady had a beard that right. killed <laughs> everybody in the room. Except <laughs> that he has a horse face and <laughs> is
0: black and has red glowing eyes. And the only sound he makes is a high-pitched screaming shriek.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, I don't like that. Okay, continue. <laughs> uh, um, and so this, the folklore goes that he has been tormenting people that ever dare enter the Pine Barrens since 1735. And so there have been sightings, Naturally. <laughs> um apparently napoleon's brother joseph bonaparte actually saw him in 1820 uh while he was hunting on his land in new new jersey um i didn't know that napoleon's brother lived here for a while but that's cool Um, and then um an entire little town well actually in entire area of new jersey and philadelphia um was tormented in 1909 between january 16th and january 23rd inciting public hysteria so many people saw it that new well according to newspapers so many people saw it that it incited public hysteria and (laughs) Children were kept home from school. People called in sick from work for an entire week because they were, for an entire couple of weeks because they were so scared of what this Leeds devil would do. Um, and the stories even got all the way up to Delaware and kids there were even being held home from school for fear that the devil would pick them up and take them away and murder them or do whatever. A goat, bat, pig, (laughs) devil thing would do. Um, Okay, so now, December of 1925, a local farmer said he saw it attacking his chickens and that he took a photo and was able to kill the thing, but no... (laughs) No proof was ever found in 1925. Huh. Yeah. The photo thing in 1925. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I had some, some questions about that too, but yeah. So then July 27th of 1937. Uh, an animal with red eyes was seen by residents of Downington, Pennsylvania. Very scary. Um, then again in 1951, a group of, it's it called it a group of local New Jersey boys said they saw it. <laughs> and said <laughs> of it. Yeah, said they saw the Jersey devil near the Pine Barrens. Um, 1960 tracks and noises were heard near may's landing um and it was said to be from the jersey devil that year the merchants around camden new jersey got so fed up that they offered a ten thousand dollar reward for the capture of it and then after they released that they were like well maybe we could make money off of this we're gonna build it a zoo oh god (laughs) sorry to uh burst the bubble but they never found it okay so that's all of the folklore there's lots of other accounts of people seeing it people will go to a specific area of the pine barrens where there's like a big kind of marshy opening and um they will try to see if they can find it. There's people that have taken photos and you're like, ah, it's, is that a tree? It's like, they're so out of focus that you're like, is it a tree? Is it a bush? Is it a horse? Is it just a shadow? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, okay. But... The thing about the Jersey Devil, or the Leeds Devil, um, the real history of how this became a thing is actually a little bit more interesting. Um, So it starts with Daniel Leeds, who is a devout Quaker born in England, um, came to Burlington, New Jersey in 1677. He was, like I said, born in England. Um, He had been married and already widowed by the time he came over to the America, the colonial Americas. Um, And in fact, he had some pretty bad luck in the wife department um, for a while. So first wife died they had not been married very long in england he decides i'm just going to start new move to the cl- move to the colonies so he gets here after a few years he ends up marrying again um but she dies too um and she actually dies in childbirth um both her and the daughter she was giving birth to did not make it through childbirth they both passed away Mm -hmm. so
1: yeah i mean it's not cool i mean it's not cool now i don't want to do it but (laughs) but back then it's like
0: i would have absolutely died like i've told you some of the the horrors of my me attempting to carry a child She's still here, as, as you've all heard. I mean, she made it, but <laughs> I'm a really shitty baby hotel. <laughs> My body is like, nah, this isn't fun. Let's get it out of here after like three months. So, you know, I'm not going to do that again. Anyway. Um, so, all right, he married again. He, She and the daughter die. So then he goes for it again a third time and... Yeah, you guessed it. She died again. She died too, I mean. Um, However, she did at least live long enough, and they were married long enough, that she gave him eight children before kicking the bucket. Um, Then he married Jane Abbott Smoot, or Smout. I'm going to go with Smoot. Um, And she was very tough, and she was the final one. She made it. She lived on into colonial times, old age, with him. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. That's where, if you've heard any stories, they sometimes will say, mother leads or Jane leads, and that's who they're talking about. Um, but she did not, in fact, give birth to all of his children, just a few. All right. So, back to Daniel. Um, He had the title of Surveyor General in the local assembly, which is like early colonial times government. Um, And in the 1690s, he surveyed and acquired a large section of land called the Great Egg Harbor, and that was near the Atlantic Coast. And um, he It's, this is actually the area where a lot of the Jersey Devil sightings are thought to be. Um, Anyway, and this is, he ended up uh, handing the property down to his sons as like a family seat. It's like, it has to constantly always be handed down to a lead's son. Anyway, so it ended up becoming known as Leeds Point. So if you've ever been to Jersey, then you know what I'm talking about. Uh, All right. So he then um, gets into the almanac writing game. He's very successful for a while. Um, But at one point he, which like, back then people really and truly relied on an almanac and there were local people in every area that would write the almanac because they didn't have the technology to know how to farm and know what's coming. And so, all right. All right. So he is very successful. He's kind of the main only person doing writing an almanac in the New Jersey area But remember how I said he's a devout Quaker? Yes. Um, And though the Quakers were the main people that even came to New Jersey to establish it, it was all very Quaker country. Um, Well, at one point, he adds some astrology to his almanac. And the New Jersey Quakers were not having it. Uh, they they have like a yearly meeting. I like a big everybody in the area come to this one big Quaker meeting. Um, and at this this Quaker meeting, they decide they tell everyone that um, using astrology is blasphemous, and that his almanacs should be edited or torn apart and none of the Quakers should use them because that is like the word of the devil, like using, it's too close to paganism, which is just not the Quaker way. So <laughs> um, the very next time they have a meeting, he goes and he, because he, like I said, devout Quaker, doesn't want to piss off his people. And so he goes, and he publicly apologizes, and instead of them being like, it's cool, just don't do it again, um, which basically is like the Quaker way. They're all about non-nobody fighting, and, you know, everybody get along. They, like, call themselves the friends and stuff. Anyway, instead of doing that, they're like, "Mm, okay, we hear you, but we're going to need every single copy that has not been purchased yet to be pulled out and destroyed. And he's like, wait, what? You don't want me to make any more money for the rest of the year? (laughs) (laughs) So he gets pretty mad and he starts getting into a little bit more looking into astrology And mysticism and cosmology, which is like the study of how the stars relate to our life and kind of alongside um, astrology Um, and essentially ends up finding his way into Christian occultism, which is basically utilizing the a little bit more like angels and talking about um more than i would say the magical side of christianity <laughs> magical side yeah I like that whole you know jesus walked on water stuff and
1: <laughs> you know i almost got my water <laughs>
0: <laughs> i saw that <laughs> It's like our new thing. Can I get the other person to spit out there? (laughs) All right. So, but also like kind of using how the stars align to go along with Christianity and all that stuff. Anyway, I'm not a religious aficionado, so I'm not going to really go into any of that. Anyway, so he, as he's going into this direction and realizing that his, all of his Quaker community is just full bore against him, like, at a snap of nothing, even though he apologized, um, and they're trying to, like, ruin his business, so he's, like, hmm, they're essentially saying I'm evil and all of this I'm pretty peeved so he writes some pamphlets about basically how the Quaker the New Jersey Quakers are anti-monarchists and how they are because also at this time Americas are not their own thing we're still a part of England so to be anti-monarchist was like Oh, heaven forbid. <laughs> um, also, this is the time when we get, or not we, New Jersey gets its first governor. That when he first is assigned to the area, he is also being in his paperwork that says, okay, you're going to be the governor of New Jersey. This is your area. And these are your people that are your, um, advisors. Daniel Leeds is one of those advisors. So he's very much for the crown. And so he's pissed. He starts putting out anti-Quaker stuff. He starts adding even more, uh, astrology and a, christian occultism into his almanacs basically like using the stars to say what god is going to do with the weather and all this stuff so (laughs) then the quakers are like "Eh, we're just going to revoke your quaker card or whatever they did at the time (laughs) And they shun him and call him a heretic, and it, they quote say he is evil. So <laughs> now he's shunned, and he's basically fighting with the entire Quaker community. So they even call him say that he's worshiping the devil because he uses all these quote pagan symbols in his um, almanacs. A but also fight? what's that? What's the Quaker fight look like? I don't know because I have always thought that the Quakers were very peaceful and non-confrontational
1: and well did we know they have shivs in their weaves no idea <laughs> <laughs> those colonial you.
0: wigs yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've seen movies with that. Like you got a hairpin and you're in your wig, and then it turns into a okay. tiny little knife. <laughs> I mean, uh, if I wore hairpins, I would have knife hairpins.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do that. maybe I should consider my look. <laughs> so, this
0: this governor, that is the first governor of New Jersey, is lord cornbury and this guy also has that's not his born name that's his lordship name because you know he he was born like edmund or something to that i have it written down somewhere but for some reason i didn't include it in this part anyway um it's something much more english and boring but because he's a lord he's a royal he his aunt is queen anne um Holy moly. Yeah. So he's a little he's got some scandal of his own. He um there are many rumors that he was a oh, crossdresser. <laughs> 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 yes. There is a painting in the New York Historical Society um that is thought to be him and it's a man. Um, dressed like Queen Anne his aunt and some people have since said that that's not actually him but um, or that maybe someone else did it to try to sour his name because they didn't like his politics because he was the governor for a long time basically until um, the The war where we're trying to not be part of England anymore. So the fact that Leeds has this fight with the Quakers and is now working with this Lord Cornberry, um, and he starts advising Lord Cornberry, oh, I know this guy was elected, but you shouldn't swear him in because uh, he's a bad dude or whatever, happens that everyone he tells him not to swear in and he doesn't swear in were Quakers. So his war against the Quakers is still going and he's like, hey, Lord, Lord Cornberry, don't swear the Quakers in, only take the the anti-Quakers for your appointed positions in government. Yeah. So um, then we move to... um, where um Daniel's getting older his kids are getting older he's ready to retire and in the year 1716 he passes his almanac business which still happens to be pretty successful because I think it's probably the only one in the area um he passes the business down to his son Titan Leeds um And Titan, after a few years, is like, hmm, you know, I'm going to put my own little mark on this. I'm going to make it my own business. And he changes the masthead of the almanac to include their family crest. Their family crest has three creatures on it that are semi-dragon-like they have cloven hooves they have a tail that is forked they have a long body and short arms that have claws and then they have horns and in some depictions have glowing red eyes wow hmm (laughs) So, basically, he just gave the Quakers a little more fuel. But also, we have a newcomer into the almanac business, a young man named Benjamin Franklin, who, yeah, has his own printing press and is like, I'm getting into this. I'm going to make some money. But his main competitor is obviously Titan Leeds. And so, at one point... In order to kind of make fun of Titan and sell and, you know, utilizing Scandal, sell a few more copies of his own um, almanac called the Poor Richard's Almanac. Uh, He publishes one saying um, that it was in 1733 and he says that in that year, October 17th, and he uses some... Um, astrology to predict that Titan Leeds is going to die October 17th of that year so then Titan's pretty pissed and he's like in his next one that comes out he says that you know Benjamin Franklin is a fool and you know publicly admonishes him and all of this stuff and instead of being like okay okay i'm sorry it was just a joke benjamin franklin is like hell yes this is hilarious he just kind of becomes a colonial times troll (laughs) and he publishes the next one saying that titan Leeds it actually died that he wrote his next almanac from as a ghost and that he's haunting people and yeah. all that stuff. And he continues <laughs> for the next few years until Titan actually dies um, to say that he was writing the almanac from the grave.
1: <laughs> it's a real dick move, Franklin.
0: Right! <laughs> <laughs> and he he basically says that he had made a deal with the devil or something like that to where that whole Leeds Devil thing continues on. So it you look back at this family that established part of this whole New Jersey area, you have the Pine Barrens that still to this day are not really um, developed, that people go in and they, they spook themselves or whatever and they see something and... And then you have this fable of this family (laughs) that they had this dragon-like crazy-looking thing on the masthead of their almanac. And then you have famous people just fully trolling them and saying that they're dead and (laughs) they're being able to do this from the grave and, you know, they're a Leeds devil. And so it just continues on. And... Then we basically get to the point where um, now it's, it kind of became, I think it was like the 20th century is when it became the, instead of the Leeds devil, it became the Jersey devil. And that's when the state adopted it as their, sometime in the 20th century, they adopted it as their official state demon. Didn't know that could be a thing. I really I wish we had a state demon.
1: Yeah, or do we? Oh.
0: Maybe it's me. (laughs) 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 Um and then uh (laughs) there actually in the it was like in 2017, this guy um and his dad were driving down the road and They thought they saw something in that same clearing by the Pine Barrens and they took a picture. And again, like I said, it was super fuzzy and, but there's been a documentary that was done and they go and interview these dudes. And it's so funny. It's like, they are clearly just milking every bit of 15 seconds of fame as they possibly can. And it's just hilarious how the state just is like, fuck it. We're go- We're claiming it. It's funny. And now we have a hockey team, so we're gonna name them name them the de- devils. <laughs> uh, you guys. <laughs> I love that Benjamin Franklin was such a dick. It's so funny. <laughs> I mean, I can't say I'm that surprised. I mean, yeah, me neither, because, you know, that's how people got ahead in those times. or wait still.
1: <laughs> all the times you mean on you know whatever <laughs> I, have my, I think like one of my favorite uh like Jerseyville things I've ever seen is actually mm-hmm. like the third episode of X-Files yes they do an about it it's so
0: yeah cool. I saw that I was
1: like oh that's so awesome there's a lot of there's a few
0: um, horror movies where they reference the Jersey devil or they base it off of that and there is a movie called the Thir- the Le- oh, I was like the Leeds 13th child or the 13th child of mother Leeds something like that that was done forever ago and it's pretty I don't know there's there's a lot referencing it it's a big part of Jersey culture. I mean, people use it to kind of threaten their kids to being good, or maybe the Jersey Devil might get them. (laughs) I love it. If I lived there, I'd be doing it. I love how in my notes I had written how he like beats up all these people, kills them, whatever, and then he goes leaves out the chimney like the (laughs) anti-Santa. (laughs) Anti-Santa? Santa Anti-Santi. It's <laughs> funny. Hmm. Jersey Devil. Yeah. I love it. So thank you, Daniel. That was perfect.
1: And less perfect. And also in contrast to um Sydney's story. Yeah. Which could have otherwise this episode could have been making us all say sad. <laughs>
0: really because she she still went on to live a pretty fulfilled life and she's still helping people mm-hmm. i mean she's still a badass it's a true story she didn't die
1: no she did not
0: N- like a so fun. she's the original goonie never did say die it. never <laughs>
1: fucking say die <laughs>
0: So what else has been going on? How's your beer? Good. I, um, I've only had about half of it because I'm trying not to get too... overdo things.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, not a lot else is going on. I was trying not to comment. Blix is like three feet from where my feet are right now, snoring like he was last week. Um, and kind of in a creepy way, sleeping with his eyes open just enough that he's staring at me while it's happening. It's very creepy. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny.
0: (laughs) When I, forever ago, when I had an English bulldog, she would do that. She'd be snoring, fully sleeping, and like farting away, and Mm But her eyes would be open sometimes, just a little, so she could also kind of halfway not sleep, but and make sure I was around.
1: <laughs> done.
0: Yeah, we well, other than that, yeah, um, Layla starts big old quotations school on Friday. Um, yeah, we'll see how that goes.
1: <laughs> it's all online, right?
0: Yeah, it's. I I honestly feel very happy that I do not work for the school district and I feel very sad slash sorry for all of the administrators. It's just, I can't, this is the large, Seattle school district is the largest one in our state. And it, just by how many students, how many schools are in this district, it's insane. And to have to coordinate Laptops, iPads, school supplies, schedules, uh, COVID precautions, and all of this crap for all of this district. I do not envy them. And so, with that being said, everything's delayed. <laughs> I still don't know what her schedule's going to be like. <laughs> we we figured out who her teacher is, so we've got that. <laughs> um helpful i guess but what time when well um i'm supposed to get an email maybe today or tomorrow to get more of an idea of a schedule but i guess they have some stuff like a meeting or whatever school zoom or microsoft meetings or whatever the online bs um at a specific time on Friday and I, I do know all that. And I know we're supposed to go to the school and pick up some school supplies at a specific time. But other than that, I don't know anything else. Yikes. <laughs> it's it's a lot That's stressful. Yeah. But I just have to trust that. I mean, I know I'm not the only parent, so we're all going to figure it out. <laughs>
1: That's not great.
0: I mean, none of this stuff we're going through is great, but we're all just making the best of it.
1: Is she excited to start school?
0: She, I I don't know. I probably, I don't think it feels real yet to her because she knows she's not physically going to school. She's super bummed that she's not going to be at school school in a classroom with kids and then she just found out that her best friend is not going to be in the same class as her which they were in the same class last year so they're both like they were crying on the phone when they found out they're not in the same class in the same classroom which is funny it's i'm like you guys you talk like all the time on the phone you can still talk on the phone after <laughs> school time it's you'll make it <laughs> And in
1: school, there's still recess and shit, you know? Well, they're not physically there, so. But eventually, inevitably, hopefully. I mean, fingers crossed. I'm not holding my breath, though. (laughs) I don't blame you. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. And I'm super psyched. did a uh, listener-influenced episode. So fun. (laughs) I'm excited yeah, to do and, it again. <laughs> you know, we're
0: always open to ideas. So if you've got a great suggestion, definitely send it our way. I've got um, one that I'm probably going to do next week. That was from a friend of mine sending it, sending me the idea not too long ago. So we hear
1: you. We see you. It's true. <laughs> I'm watching you. I'm just kidding. Cool. <laughs>
0: No, I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> I'd be the worst stalker of all time. Be like, well, I'm bored. I'm gonna get out of here. <laughs>
1: time for a beer and lunch. Gotta go. Stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right. Well, I think our uh, episode has been tapped. Show sure enough. So until next week, until next Monday, uh, drink good local beer.
1: And please tip your fucking bartender. Yeah. And listen every Monday, please.
0: And subscribe and comment and leave reviews. We've, we have gotten one more review since we, we begged for them shamelessly. For threatening people. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. That does help us. Give, give stars, please. give reviews. Tell us funny things.
1: Please. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.
0: For more information, we can be found on Instagram at Seattle underscore on underscore tap, email at Seattle on tap at gmail.com, or our website, Seattle on
1: You can also like us on Facebook. And all of the Seattle on Tap original music is provided by Bubble Bathism, courtesy of the Subterranot Recording Collective.